The Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K, presented by Tap 14. Analysis and commentary to help you get your Broncos fixed during the offseason. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or listen on demand anytime in the Mile High Sports mobile app. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. Got a special guest. Here on the podcast today, of course, the Denver Broncos on a bye week this week. And while it's not exactly the halfway point, of course, that was last week prior to the Houston Texans game. It feels like with the bye week, a lot of the players in the locker room are treating this almost as like the in-between before the first half. And the second half, so I thought, well, why not? Let's have some fun on this bye week. Let's give away some awards to the Denver Broncos uh, for their first half of the season. And of course, it was a rocky one, finishing three and six. And in the spirit of Election Day, we are going to elect a team MVP. So, of course, we'll do that today on the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Sean Drotar. You can find Sean on Twitter, S Drotar on Twitter, and, of course, on mornings at 5280 on Mile High Sports Radio, AM 1340, FM 104.77-9, Monday through Friday. Sean, once again, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Anytime, anytime, as always. Love having you on. You're going to tell me some of your more surprising and disappointing players coming up on the Broncos Blitz Podcast. But first, our friends at Tef 14. 1920 Blake Street, just a hop, skipping a jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirit chef Andrea Varela in that locally sourced, rotating, seasonally fair. It's just tremendous. And of course, while it is a little, um, well, the word I was using earlier was nippy. It's a little nippy outside. The heated porch is just tremendous. Go on, check that out over there at Tap 14 on the web, tap14.com. Spell out the word 14 for me, Tap 14. Dot com. Sean, let's start with the most surprising player of the team. Um, this could be anybody on offense, defense, special teams. Who has really surprised you and gave you what you just didn't think was going to give you uh, on this Broncos team? And I assume you mean in a good way because we have other It could options. be good. It could be bad. No, we oh. do have a most disappointing player, okay. too. So, so I'll keep, we'll it, I'll keep it positive. I will go with... Uh, my fellow CU buff Philip Lindsay, who uh, I think we knew was going to make, we knew he was going to make the team early on. I think everyone saw that, and when we were out there at camp, we saw how effective he had been in in virtually every single facet of the game. But especially after Royce Freeman has gotten dinged up, uh, the ability for Lindsay to play, take every type of run, basically, you'd ask not just the the speed routes, not just the outside, not just the dump offs, but basically to do everything you'd expect any other halfback in the league to do. He's been able to do. He's been effective. He hasn't made very many mistakes. I think he's got to be the biggest, most positive surprise on the team. Uh, I, I like them. I, I love the Philip Lindsay naming because he really has surprised everybody. Although I will say, I've said on this podcast, going uh, back to training camp, I would not be surprised to see Philip Lindsay become a absolute stud on this team. So I'm going to go a different route. Okay. I'm going to go Cortland Sutton. Okay. I didn't think the Denver Broncos would move on from Demarius Thomas because of the success from Cortland Sutton so early. 
I figured it would take him about a, a full year, year and a half, maybe next offseason, to where you're feeling comfortably like, yeah, we can move on from Demarius Thomas. Cortland Sutton is going to be our guy now. Uh, it became very apparent really quick from training camp to preseason. This is a guy whose 50-50 balls are more 60-40, 70-30 in favor of him. Uh, his route running is a little bit more uh, progressed, I think, than what many thought. A lot of people going after the draft, going into training camp, thought this guy's route running is just not very good. Remember, we touted Deshaun Hamilton as kind of right, like right. The, the pure well route runner. So uh, to differ from yours, I'm going to go with Cortland Sutton. That's hard to argue. Surprise. I mean, I think you look go back to the draft, and it's funny, you look at both of these guys. Now, Sutton was a high pick, but he wasn't a first-rounder. You redraft this draft, he is a first-rounder. Yeah. And Philip Lindsay probably is, too. Yeah. It's been stunning to see what both of those guys have been able to do. Of course, on the Broncos Blitz podcast, we got to look at the other side. Your most disappointing player Ooh, on offense, how do I defense, narrow it down? special teams. I, I know there's a lot of options. A lot of options. I'll, I'll let you have the floor first. Well, I can't put Marquette King on there because he's not on the team anymore, yes. I suppose. But and that he was, was injured. And, I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, a tough, tough one. Yeah. I will say disappointment because I think most people are disappointed. It's quite frankly what I expected. We talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it on my show on the radio. But it's Case Keenum. I think people who thought that Case Keenum was going to come in and save the franchise and be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback because of the one year he had, I should really say most of one year he had in Minnesota, were deluding themselves. This is a guy that's been in the league for a long time. You know, He's 30 years old. He is what he is. He was yeah. in a perfect situation in Minnesota with probably, to be totally honest, a coaching staff that was more capable of adapting and adjusting. So uh, it was a bit of a fluke. Uh, Case Keenum's numbers have basically reverted to where they have been over the course of his entire career. And quite frankly, there's no reason to believe that he's anything better than that. So it, it's tough. I mentioned it in the most recent Mile High Sports magazine. Case Keenum is sort of the answer to the question, what would have happened if you kept Trevor Simeon and just gave him $18 million a year? Because we're seeing more or less the same thing. In fact, his turnover percentage uh, over the, the span of time with the Broncos, and it's only been about a third as many games as, as Trevor Simeon played, but it's a lot worse than Simeon's as well. Uh, I, I have to say, I'm going to differ from you. because Only because you want to change it up for the podcast, because you know I'm right. no. Because oh I'm gonna, I'm gonna pat myself on the back here. Hopefully, I don't sprain my arm. I, I said this on the podcast. Case Keenum is who he is, and you guys should not be surprised right. if he is a disappointing quarterback. You get what you pay for. My most disappointing player is Garrett Bowles. Okay, without I, a doubt, I can see uh, that. This is a guy who, in year two, on on top of the move from Ron Leary from right to left guard, should have allowed Bowles to. Uh, play better because that's a veteran he can lean on and a damn good one, by the way. Bowles has showed fundamental flaws. He has showed mental weakness and he has showed a ton of regression, even while, and it's crazy to say because the, the quarterback play has not been great this year, but it's certainly been better last year, even though his quarterback situation got better. And, and certainly it's better by default just because it's not a rotating door anymore. And right. yet Bowles has looked worse this year. He has. Uh, he has just been awful. His footwork is atrocious. He has easily been my most disappointing player. He led the league in holding last year, in, in holding penalties, and he's on pace to break that net number this year already. Yeah. Even though it's been no holding calls in the last two games, which is a remarkably low bar, but that's what we have to set. Like, hey, two full games without a hold. 
Yeah. Nice job. Uh, Case Keenum is who he is, and I think Denver fans shouldn't be surprised to see him play like this because this is really what he's been throughout right. his entire Everywhere career. Everywhere with that blip in Minnesota. Minnesota was an aberration, but the fact that you are getting dreadful play from your left tackle, and a little bit of that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. I mean, Case Keenum's not playing well because his offensive line is not very good anymore, and certainly the injuries are a factor, but Bulls has just been so, so disappointing. It's a Broncos Blitz podcast. Of course, you can find us at milehighsports.com, where we're always writing stories. Of course, Sean, you're writing uh, a ton of good stuff over there. I got my stuff up at milehighsports.com. Work from TJ McBride, Zach Seegers, uh, uh, Rich Kurtzman, Justin Michaels. A lot of great stuff over there at milehighsports.com. Strongly encourage you go read up and check out that stuff. I'm not even going to... We're not even going to do a most uh, surprising or most impressive head coach or coaching staff because there, I don't think there has been one. That's good. So I want to <laughs> narrow this down to more who's been the most disappointing coach on the staff because there's a lot of names to pick from. I know everybody kind of wants to look at Vance Joseph and just zero in on him getting the most disappointment, but there have been others too. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go your route then, because Vance Joseph is the easy one, and he kind of is what he is. I will say it's Bill Musgrave, offensive mm. coordinator. Musgrave uh, basically is sort of credited of late for having Derek Carr's best season when he was in Oakland and being able to modify systems and work with quarterbacks. With Keenum, a guy who isn't really all that different than Trevor Simeon, uh, hasn't been able to really come up with anything different, though. It's very it's looked bland. It's looked uh, vanilla. And the frustrating thing is, is the Broncos go from having a middling running game to one of the best running games in the league, yeah. they didn't pivot. And to a certain point, I, I get it. You want to keep other teams guessing, but also the good teams don't necessarily go into a game plan and say, ha, here's how we'll fool the other guys. Sometimes they just say, hey, here's what we do. You try to stop us. When you're the Never Broncos, you have one of the best running games in the league, and you know that you have an offense that doesn't put up points in the board in bunches in a, in a NFL where teams need to do that. You need to run the ball and shorten the game and wear the other defense down. They haven't done it. And even though week after week, um, Musgrave even talked about it at the podium last week, even uh, prior to the last game, uh, even uttered a profanity about it, saying he seconded uh, the notion that they needed to run more and then proceeded, you know, not to run more. So I think it's Bill Musgrave. Sean, it's Vance Joseph. It's easily Vance Joseph. You can't have it both <laughs> ways. Well, look, I, I agree with you in the the, the fact that look, I, I will say this. Of course um, it's Vance Joseph. Bill Musgrave and Joe Woods were given very good talent, and I think they've mismanaged that to a real big extent. But it wasn't Joe Woods' fault in the in the fact that they traded away in Aqib Tlaib and they, they relied on a Bradley Roby. Uh, it wasn't Bill Musgrave's fault that the offensive line has gotten all hurt and that Case Keenum was supposed to be this magical remedy. It's higher up. I have to look at Vance Joseph. And look, I, I am all for a guy who wants to give second chances. Uh, I think they should have moved on him from him in the last offseason. They didn't. Okay, let's let's see if this guy can improve and at least show me. At least show me that you've you have learned from some of the mistakes you've made in the past. I swear, every single time the camera cuts to him, he looks completely baffled. 
at the decision and the situation in front of him. He doesn't look improved. This is a guy who in-game gets almost like he's lost inside the game, making very questionable challenges, very questionable calls, and obviously we, we saw a couple of them with the two end-half sequences yeah, absolutely. Uh, against Houston. So I get where you're coming from. That's the other part, though, Musgrave. with Joseph. You're right. And you're absolutely right, Ronnie, when you talk about the ideas of the things that you want guys to improve from year one to year two. Uh, clock management, for, first and foremost, stands out with me. Yeah. That the, the way they've either used the timeouts or the way they've sped things up, that Houston game, uh, I understand McManus missed the kick, and you you, need, you you can bring that up as many times as you'd like, and certainly McManus wants to hit the kick, but over the course of his career, he has. The challenge was, why not take a little more time and, and get yourself seven, eight yards closer? That That's something you can do in that point in time. Uh, Houston is not, for example, absolutely guarding the line like it's fourth and one. They don't want something to go over the top. You can nibble another six, seven, eight yards and make that kick a lot easier for your player. And, and the fact that it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen with regularity indicates that the clock management is a concern. The the idea of knowing exactly you know what play to call and when, and I know that goes to Musgrave to a certain point, but the overall directive goes to the head coach. And maybe misunderstanding fundamentally the ability of your players at times as well. well and look, now, Brandon McManus is a 50-50 guy from beyond 50 yards. Now, granted, 50 yards isn't what it used to be, but it's also still not a gimme kick. Wins at 50 yards inside a stadium can mess up even the most accurate kick. From within, he's about 80%, from 40 to 49. It's, it's almost like you misunderstand the idea of this as a kicker with great range. But when you go past 50, it's a gamble. It's a coin toss. Get it closer. Do I, something. It's just a it, top to bottom. The same mistakes are being made year after year. That tells me he's simply not catching on. I think it was an extremely selfish move in particular because it was a decision that favors what the coach um, would look like towards the end of the game as opposed to the best thing for that situation. Coaches should never coach, and he said this, Coaches should. he said that they should coach based on how their record states, that they wouldn't have made that kick, that 62-yarder, if they were a team with a winning record. They were desperate. They were chasing because he is on the hot seat. It's an extremely selfish move because if McManus misses those kicks – you're you're really looking at it and you're pointing and saying, oh, it's McManus's fault. He's supposed to make that, even though we clearly know it's not. A 62 and a he 51 is the last play of the game. He didn't I mean, come trust on. his offense to pick up seven, eight yards without a sack, without a turnover, without a batted ball, or whatever the case. You have multiple opportunities to get those yardage, and you didn't trust them because you got just enough just enough to make that at least a, a manageable field goal, and you said, okay, hands off, we've done enough, we're just going to put this on McManus's uh, leg, even though it really, like you mentioned, is really a 50-50 coin flip proposition. I mean, he was 13 for 26 from 50 yards plus. So I think it was, it, it was a, a desperate coach who knows he's on the hot seat, knows he absolutely needs to win games, and a, as he put, you know, if they make a turnover and 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 batted ball or whatever, they take a sack, then they look like idiots at the end. But yes, that's true. But if you don't take those opportunities that are in front of you, you didn't do as much as you could have done in that game to win it because you left stuff on the table. This is no different than John Fox kneeling on the oh, football yeah, absolutely. with it's 31 not, seconds yeah. left. 
Absolutely right. And this is the 20, that Houston game was the 25th uh, regular season game that Vance Joseph has coached for the Broncos as a head coach. And you could argue that the, the play calling at times, the clock management, all of those things were as bad as they've ever been. Yes. Agreed. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, let's do one more. Sure. Let's let's look positive here. Please. Positive. I love positive. In the spirit of election day. They only have to win seven. Okay, let's not get unrealistic. Let's okay, not get okay. unrealistic, Sorry. Sean. Uh, How many team- games do they have left? Seven? <laughs> <laughs> team MVP. Uh, elect a team MVP for me. Boy, that see, that's actually uh, a pretty tough there. I think that there are a few guys that have been very good. I don't know if there's one particular player that has been uh, absolutely elite and stood out for me. So uh, I guess I will say in a season of turmoil where there's been ups and downs, uh, I'm going to go with the guy that we has, that doesn't get mentioned a lot because if he does get mentioned, it's sometimes a problem. I'll say Chris Harris Jr. Mm. Because out of all the players that are worth considering, Emmanuel Sanders is had a nice year. We talked about Lindsey. Um, I think you could make an argument for Matt Paradis not out for the season uh, now that he's finished. But sure. there, there are some guys you can talk about. And Von Miller, I think, has had a good year, if not overwhelming. But I guess I look at Chris Harris knowing that the, the pass rush has been solid in the sack numbers, but hit and miss in games. We know that's been the case. We know that the linebacking is not quite the same strength that has been in the past. We know that the defensive backfield is a bit of a mess. Despite that, Chris Harris has still been a lockdown corner that basically quarterbacks look to avoid no matter who he's covering. And to my mind, I'll say, look, given all that and given all that around him in the D, I will say that Harris, despite maybe not standing out in the stats, uh, to me, he's looked like the most consistent guy you can count on week after week. That'll work for me. I'm going to bend the rules again. Of course you are. It's fortunate it's <laughs> your gonna podcast. Give, I'm going to give uh, a co-MVPs. Okay. Uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Uh, I, I think there was a lot of hype going into the year with this, but I believe for everybody who had that hype, there was also this back of the mind thought that's like, well, he is a rookie. Like he may not immediately develop into one of the more premier pass rushers in the league. That's exactly what he's done. I mean, this is a guy who's on track to average 15 to 17 sacks this year. I mean, it's just incredible. Well, the, well, the record, pressures. by the way, for a rookie is 14 and a half. That was Javon yeah, Kirsch's record. Uh, so he's on pace at the moment to actually break that. It's remarkable. You're, you're right. Uh, I, w- I will point out a little bit, and you mentioned about the Joe Woods and, and Vance Joseph maybe misusing some of their talent. The Broncos, the first thing they, they did after picking Bradley Chubb, said he's going to be a linebacker. Yes. That's why he wears 55. Yes, good point. Bradley Chubb hadn't been a linebacker since his uh, since the first early years of high school. Yeah, He never played linebacker in college at any point, and uh, the Broncos misused him there. Now, I know he's technically listed as a linebacker, but now in the last few weeks, they have him playing with his hand down. And look what happened. He's exploded when it comes to sacks, when it comes to pressures. He's back in his element. They have him back in a position that he's used to playing, a position that he can succeed in, and it's paying dividends. Uh, We talk about things you can do right in coaching and things you do wrong in coaching. Sometimes in coaching, sometimes the best thing to do is nothing at all. The guy's a defensive end. Play him like a defensive end. And he's an absolute monster. And, And I will say this. He is more, I said this when they drafted him, he has more potential to become a better all-around player than Von Miller because I th- Von is, is an incredible pass rusher. Okay, He's going to go down as one of the greatest pass rushers in the league. But when it comes to pass coverage, when it comes to run defense, Von's good. He's not great. I am seeing great out of Bradley Chubb when it comes to run defense. Yes, I he am too. He is incredible at 
finding the gaps, being smart, pursuing to the running back, and doing everything you need to do as a run defender. And that just that just adds to the impressiveness of his ability to consistently get to the quarterback but not be a liability everywhere else, which I think for parts of Vaughn's career, he really has been that case. A little bit more of a liability, although that's really not his role, but a more polished all-around guy maybe a couple years from now, Bradley Chubb, I think, very much has that opportunity. I think that's a good point, and and it takes nothing away from Vaughn Miller, but you think of, let's say, the comparison, and he lost a a little bit of ground with the injuries, but let's say J.J. Watt, and the argument was J.J. Watt and Vaughn Miller, who's better? They're both brilliant pass rushers. And the argument, I think, of Watt being generally considered to be a little better, and I know one plays line and one plays linebacker, is the fact that Watt actually is a phenomenal run stopper. Absolutely, He's a bulldozer. He's actually not even all that bad in coverage when he has to drop back yeah. there. He uses his length, and, and he's effective. And so he's effective in every stage of the game, not just when he's a pass rusher. That said, it really doesn't take anything away from Vaughn because the best way to stop offenses is to pressure that quarterback. Absolutely. And that's why throughout history, guys who are pass rushers and get the sack numbers and get that kind of pressure, even if they're not effective in all phases of the defense, it still doesn't make them any less important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think everybody wanted to compare Bradley Chubb to more like a Von Miller, where it's just going after the quarterback. And maybe you should compare him to J.J. Watt. I think he's more of a J.J. Watt-like because he's so good. And he has such a freak athleticism. I can remember back to a couple training camp sessions where they were practicing these these short over the middles that were essentially made to test linebackers. And at the time, they were kind of utilizing him in that linebacker role. And I was so astonished because Bradley Chubb was holding his weight and making tip passes by jumping 10 feet in the air. I mean, he really is just a freak athletically. And uh, Denver got a good one. Denver got a good one for sure. It's good to see that that path because you're right. You're thinking of the idea down the road of Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb is another J.J. Watt. Whew, that sounds pretty nice. crazy. That That's sounds nice, crazy. but it, it's it's interesting when you think about that too. One of the other, but the idea where they shifted him around because they talked about his speed at defensive end. Well, you moved him to linebacker. The funny thing was his speed among linebackers in the combine mm. was okay. Mm. It was in the top ten, but he wasn't the fastest guy there. Put him in the line, he was the fastest guy coming off the line. Absolutely. So. Take advantage of those things. The, the Broncos worry a little too much about some of those weird little metrics. They seem to be breaking their habit of it. Josie Jewell was another example, a guy that ran for, for linebackers, sort of a slowish uh, 40. But also everyone talked about how his great play recognition and his ability to lock down the tackle, he was so much faster than other guys in recognizing the play. Well, if you recognize the play two-tenths of a second faster, you've just made up that gap in speed. Absolutely. Your 4-6 speed just became 4-4 four, four speed. The Broncos, the hard way it seems are finally learning that that just the measurements don't really judge a player. Well, hopefully this season ends in warp speed because it has been a bad one so far for the Denver Broncos. And, of course, uh, we'll stick with it. I'll be in the locker room. We'll be at the games. We'll still get to the coverage. And, of course, you can still interact on Twitter. Sean, uh, where can they reach you on Twitter? Uh, easy. It's S-Drotar. That's S-D-R-O-T-A-R. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K, radio on Twitter. And, of course, you can find us at MileHighSports.com. Have to say thanks to the many individuals that reached out. Uh, Philip, Kendall, and Aspen, I promised shout-outs to you guys because you reached out on Twitter, and I thank you so very much nice. for listening. And, uh, you know, this podcast doesn't become a daily podcast without you. You are the reason why 
This podcast is now daily and uh, hopefully giving you all kinds of good little tidbits and information, discussions, debates. Of course, you can find that all at MileHighSports.com. You can follow Sean on Twitter, of course, Estrotar on Twitter. But you can also follow his morning show, Mornings at 5280, 7 to 9, Monday through Friday. Of course, you can check him out, Nate Lundy, TJ Carpenter. Uh, you bring the brain. I like to say you bring the brain. Oh, that's very nice of, of the, you to say the show. that. Are the, are, uh, and that's T- all true honesty. Are TJ, are TJ and Nate going to listen to this? Uh, I don't really care. They can listen to it if they want. <laughs> they know it's true. You bring the brains, they bring the other stuff. Uh, because they certainly don't bring the Well, brains. somebody's got to do it. Yes, absolutely. So 7 and 9, Mile High Sports. And of course, on the new Mile High Sports mobile app as well, too, where you can download that free for Android and Apple. And if you want to check out past uh, episodes of their show, uh, including today's, you can do that on the mobile app. Of course, I want to thank our friends Tap14 and Pro Football Focus Pod20. That's the promo code for 20% off your subscription to the Elite and Edge memberships, Pod 20. That's Pod 20 for 20% off your subscription to the Elite Edge memberships at Pro Football Focus. Sean, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Anytime, as always, yeah. Of course, follow him on Twitter, Sdrotar on Twitter, S-D-R-O-T-A-R. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio, at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. Another edition of the Broncos Blitz podcast all done. Be sure to read up on the Broncos for stories, debates, discussions, breaking news, and player interviews at MileHighSports.com. That's MileHighSports.com.